listening to cbjradio.com yet it's a free internet radio station brand new shows every day shows range from all rock shows to all independent artist shows to a friday night request show to a hip-hop show and don't forget about retro saturday nights make cbjradio.com the only internet radio station you listen to hello friends how you doing i feel like I'm getting my uh, life back to normal after being vaccinated against COVID-19. I've gone to bars, restaurants, stores, and now we can walk outside on the University of Wyoming campus without a mask on. It is so great to raw dog that air now with my face. And I have no problems wearing a mask when a business asks me to before going inside. They're just trying to keep their employees healthy and working because if you get sick from COVID-19, you can't work and it's just harder to go out and just hire somebody, especially these days, to come in and fill that employee spot. So we got to keep those people working and healthy. Right now, the most patriotic thing we can do as Americans is get the vaccine. It will save so many American lives and businesses. Be a patriot. Get that vaccine. I know there's a fair share of people out there that will not get vaccinated and will take advantage of not wearing masks like the vaccinated people do. These people will keep the hospitals full and keep many restrictions in place. If you're one of these people, Bill Gates did not start the pandemic, nor does he want to track you. Your cell phone is the biggest spy in your life if you didn't know. Dr. Anthony Fauci is trying to save you and mankind. It's not a political thing. I can admit I'm not an expert when it comes to how to handle a killer virus, but I know how to listen to the experts. YouTubers, message boards, and Fox News will not be there for you in your time of need. All right, but I digress. Today's guest is Charlie Barrett, my first ever part two to a podcast. We cover all sorts of ground in this episode, from some great stories from his 20s to his top three alcohol picks for you and his top video games for you to play. Let's get to the interview. This is my first part two episode, because if you remember in the last episode, episode eight, if you want to go back and listen to it, if you haven't already, I interviewed Charlie Barrett. We talked for nearly two hours, I think, and we can talk for 100 hours after that and everything. But I got him on the show again because we got to pick up where we left off. But first, a recap on the last year. Like, I'm sure... Besides COVID, I know you've had an interesting last year. Um, tell us about it. When you, about a year ago, you were still in Austin. Yes. So I think we, I think we did the podcast before my dog passed away, right? After, right when everything shut down, yeah. March 16th was my last day at work. So um, 
I work, I bartend at the per, at Pershing on the east side of Austin, and it's a private nightclub venue. And I've been bartending for 22 years now. Okay. And I finally found a job that I like. I've had some good jobs, but um, it's a great private club. And all of a sudden we closed down. And I actually met a guy who said a week before, he goes, yeah, I just moved here from New York. And I you know, deal in stocks. And I just put a bunch of, I just invested in face masks and vitamin C and you'll <laughs> see why. And I was like, what? And then all of a sudden, like four days later, we shut down, everything shut down. All right, well, I'll just do yoga and hang out with my dog. Well, there was no yoga. There was a lot of chips involved and Netflix. <laughs> and then <clears throat> on the Friday before Easter, which was on a Sunday, cash started drooling, got sick. Oh no. Took him in on Saturday. He had a cantaloupe sized tumor in his guts that was bleeding out and i had to put him down the next day it was very sad he was my yes. buddy i was unexpected he was 11 years old and i got him in florida and he was my running partner for years and he just became my best friend i actually spent you know more time with cash than i did with my own dad right so uh it was pretty shocking and but we we put him down and uh he died in the sun in my arms. It was beautiful. But when he passed away and everything had shut down, everyone around me was just drinking their faces off. And I was sober for a year. And I looked around. I was like, this is grim. I'm going to go on a road trip. So I got in my forerunner and I drove to California and I saw my mom and two of my sisters and one of my nieces and then drove up to Bend, Oregon to see my other sister and brother-in-law my niece is there and they have a big cbd farm up there i was like all right nice drove back down yeah and i stayed with my drove back down stayed with my one sister tanya and my mom and then we went up back up for a wedding for my niece's wedding that was super fun i ended up going back up there for a month and picking flour on their cbd farm and it smelled so good it smelled good. Uh, it was great. Family meals and spending time with family. It was, it was really good. Um, I ended up driving back and forth from Oregon to California to Texas three times during the whole last year. And uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know if I was going to go back to bartending. I didn't know if I was going to stay with my family in California. I didn't know if I was going to go back up to Bend. But during the shutdown, I got my real estate license online. Um, I actually took the test there at a testing center in California. So I figured the best move would be to come back, which I did. I drove back to Austin, got my real estate license, joined Keller Williams, and I found a great apartment with a garage so I could bring my 1965 convertible Thunderbird back with me, um, which was my mom's best friend. She just passed away, Rosie. She was 97 and she sold me this beautiful gold T-Bird, which my sister and I have put like $40,000, if not more into, and it's awesome. So I finally got to bring that back to Austin with me. So now I, my day job is with Keller Williams and I bartend four nights a week at Pershing and I get to drive my T-Bird around and just tinker with that. Meanwhile, I'm setting up a recording studio to record a 497 page science fiction novel called Fallen Czar. You can actually find it on Amazon. Um, it's already published, but uh, I spoke with the author who's a gamer buddy of mine. 
He said he liked my voice. I said I can do others. And so now we're just looking for a female voiceover artist. We're going to be interviewing them in the next two weeks, I think, and go back. And we, we recorded the whole book and uh, took notes. So now we're going to record the entire thing. And he already has the second book almost ready to publish as well. And it's a great story about like multidimensional wars going on, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, that sort of thing. And one of their saviors. Um, it's So I'm looking forward to that. I just have to set up my audio studio now, which setting up my microphone right now just kind of <laughs> motivated me to do that. Oh, the microphone sounds fantastic. Like it's got very deep, bassy tones to Good. it. I'm glad. It's easy to sit I'm here glad. and listen to you. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so I clearly... Um, you can I tell you? Can I tell you the yes. first the first line in the book? Oh yes, the first line is, "It's cold here. It's always cold here." <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess it's cold there. It reminds me of Laramie. Um, I, that that <laughs> voice, kind of what you did. No, no offense here. I just watched um, Lost Boys two. No, the no thirst. All right, the Corey, thirst. The thirst. Corey. It came out 2010. Um, Corey Feldman is the lead. The, the Frog Brothers are, are the lead guys, um, and he has the I call it the Batman voice that he just taught. Like it might be his finest acting, like ever. I mean, I mean that's not saying much. In his well, he have was a mouth, movie party. Yeah, like I mean, he was Mouth and Goonies and like Stand by Me when he was a kid. But like his adult acting hasn't been much in Few and Far Between, and this. He was like an action star or wanted to be. You can clearly tell. But there's one scene where he's sitting on the couch and he's got his legs crossed like a total like movie star. And I'm like, no, your character wouldn't sit like that. I'm totally, totally lost it. But like, it, I mean, it was it's just a movie full of one liners. But when you did that voice, it made me think of the Frog Brothers of Corey Feldman. Um, I am the third Frog Brother. Yeah, it, it, you know, I, I don't even want to explain. I don't want to give any spoilers to people if they want to go out and watch it. It's a bad movie. It's not. It's not good. Um, but people like want, vampire movies. So if, if you're dedicated to the Lost Boys series, or not, I guess it is now a series with two of them. But if you're dedicated to Lost Boys and those characters, go check it out. It'll be interesting to see where they where they took it and everything. And uh, but yeah, that's interesting that you're going to be a a voice star and for a book and you work for a real estate company. I always laugh at the name because one of my favorite musicians, his name is Keller Williams. And wow. And so the first time this real estate, it's not his real estate company popped up. Um, I, I saw it all in around, I think Texas, like Keller, Texas, where my sister lives, like the real estate agency is around there where Keller Williams. And I was like, well, that's cool. And so I had take pictures of it, but now I know it's all over the place, but good company, reputable company and everything. Um, Who does your sister work for again? I forget. Wow. Coldwell Banker. That sounds right. Um, I'd have to look that up. Sorry, Rochelle. <laughs> Rochelle, um, we love you very much. We, yeah. We're here to promote you. Yes. <laughs> um, she works in the, the Dallas, Fort Worth, Keller area, Frisco area and sells houses as well. That's nice um, up there. Yeah. 
It's raining like mad here right now. It, I mean, the, if you look at the week, it's just thunderstorms across the board. It has been this last week. And today, even right now, it's light out, but it's dark and ominous. And it was just flood raining and sirens everywhere like two hours ago. We finally got some rain today. It was nice. I, I went and watered my yard at lunchtime so I could get rain today later on. I'm like, I got the rain. Yeah. 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 You wash your car and then it rains. Right? Yes. Because mm -hmm. like, we desperately need some rain right now. Here you go, people. I'm watering my yard, getting that rain out. Um, so how's family? I mean, you saw them. Family's good. Yeah, family's good. My uh, my mom's doing good. She and my sister Tanya are living together in their beautiful home in Laguna, along with my other sister Rhonda and her daughter Mackenzie. Uh, and they're all good. Tanya is no longer at the hospital she worked for. She was the head of HR for one of the yeah. biggest hospitals in SoCal for about 12 years. She finally decided no more. And I think she's looking at the future like uh, she doesn't want to plan things anymore. She's a big planner, plans everything. Wow. And I just live by the seat of my pants out of my car. And it's funny how as we get older, what we're learning about ourselves, I'm starting to plan things out more and write stuff down and get things <laughs> that way. And she is like, I don't want to plan shit anymore. I just want to do stuff. You know, I don't want to just work. Hey, I'm retired, have a stroke and die. Like she is ready to live her life. So I think that's really cool. Um, and it's great because, you know, our mom is 80 now and she's full of life. She's super cool. She's still good with the gardening and kids and dogs and she dog sits and they've got two little dogs they take care of. And my sister Rhonda and her daughter, they hang out, live together. They got a little dog and um, they're happy. I hope they need to come out and visit me here in Austin. There you go. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then my oldest sister, Gina, and her husband, Mike, they're awesome. They have three beautiful daughters and two of them are married now. One's expecting a baby soon. The other has two boys. They have that big CBD farm and it's just so nice to go visit them. And it's nice to be back in Oregon, you know, where you and I grew up oh, as a yeah. kid. You know, it's just the smell of the, just the smell of conifer trees, really. The smell of pine trees is just my favorite. And I never got to spend time in Bend until this last year. It was actually really difficult to move back to Austin. Um, I was torn. I thought to myself, even though I have my real estate license, do I want to go back to bartending? I've been here 10 years. Maybe it's time to be closer to my family. So I'm giving myself a plan right now. It's a two-year plan. I have my real estate license. Come back, get a place, bartend at night, try and sell some real estate during the day, then go from there after two years. Like, okay. Uh, get the ball rolling, all of a sudden, snowball effect, it goes really well. Or it goes medium. I, I don't know. I have no idea what's going to happen. I said, well, just two more years. Because I, I built such a, I mean, I've, I've done, I've kept my nose clean here in Austin. Like, I haven't right. messed around at all. You know, I've had a great time. And, uh, but I haven't been like partying like crazy. And I've made a, uh, a bunch of connections here. I'm basically cashing in all my chips. You know, I mean, I send yeah. out like 250 Christmas cards every year. So I've got addresses I could send out postcards to. I've got social media and uh, let everyone know that I'm doing, you know, I'm working for Keller Williams. I mean, this Keller Williams I'm working for, this office is the highest grossing real estate office in the world because Keller Williams is worldwide. And that's oh, the, man. you know, they just sold Joe Rogan his house. Oh, yeah. For like undisclosed 14 plus million, whatever, <laughs> in a fancy part of town. But I ended up moving south to Buda because Austin, as awesome as it is, I moved back and everyone has moved here. Everyone has moved here. 
And then the homeless population just went crazy because it's legal to camp. So they're everywhere. So I come back and there's graffiti everywhere and all these homeless people. And then all these people have moved in from New York and San Francisco and Los Angeles looking for a better life and cheaper homes. They're sure. buying homes like crazy. A house goes on the market, it's gone for 40% over asking price. So it's actually a seller's market right now. And um, so the city was so busy, I decided to move just to the next town south. And it's nice and quiet. I mean, I kind of moved here because everyone's friendly. I moved here and it was young people and live music and dog friendly with a city big enough to make money in, but small enough to get to know everybody as things started getting built around it. And there's huge parks and green belts full of water. You can just go, you know, drink beer and hang out with your friends in and, and everybody's just friendly. And that's how I hope it stays with all these people coming from bigger cities, driving fast and honking their horns or like, Oh, we know you're not from here. Yeah. You no, know, we, yeah, it's just nice. See, if you're a friendly person, you move to a friendly place. It's like, oh, this is great. I spent 10 years in Los Angeles. And it's like, you build this wall up, this shield of protection from all the bullshit that's out there. And then everyone has their shields up at all times. It felt like it took two years after I left for my heart to come down to a normal level. Like when I lived there, it's like, boom, 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 the beat of the city. And now out here, it's just like, <laughs> that's nice. Nice and chill. I feel you. Like that's the way I felt in New York. Uh, I built up, I became a hard person and people are like, what? And I go, I'm a smiley kind of guy. And in New York, I had, I put that thing away and moved back to Laramie. And like you, I will, I said five years, I'm five years in Laramie. And then I'm going back to Oregon. It's 18 years now. And I'm not going back to Oregon. Got a good girl, got a house. And so when I put that timeline on me, um, it, another job came up like things progressed it was it made it hard to leave and and so well, you got a good thing going there I yeah, and, you. I like it there it's nice and and like the hardest part about Laramie is probably the brutal winters and they're not yeah. even that bad anymore as bad as they have been and sure we're gonna get snow but I know where I live it's definitely the negative 20s when they come along or if you have a week long of that um but that doesn't thanks to some global warming that hasn't really happened that often, or we get like two days of negative temperatures, not like full weeks and a half, which is miserable. And so uh, it's not that bad. And now we're getting that. Um, it is definitely a buy a uh, seller's market here. Um, people are moving in. It's a college people, town, Yeah, right? but, it, and it's also on the border. It's close to South Dakota. It's Co close to Colorado. Close to Colorado. Yeah. And, and it's not, I mean, it's a nice town. I like it there. It's like, it's cool. It seems like one of those towns like here, uh, all the outskirts cities are booming because everyone's moving into Austin. So everyone here is selling their house and they can go buy two homes in smaller cities, live in yeah. one, rent the other one out in a, in a chill little town like, you know, Lockhart or Bastrop or wherever, you know, and, and San Marcos, you know, we've got UT, but San Marcos is a college town just south of where I'm at. Okay. Everyone's moving there. So it just seems like, and no one's talking about it. So I think Laramie is the next big town. There's the population of the world and America is just getting bigger. There's just people and you want to, you want to enjoy your life. You're only here for a short time. So live where people are friendly and stuff is cheap and taxes are low and healthcare is good. I think people also figured out that um, space is healthy in more ways than one um, where I could walk out my door during COVID during this pandemic, walk around the block, 
kind of have a somewhat of a normal life because there's just not a big population. We're all spread out. Um, it's good for the mind. I noticed when I moved back, it, it totally, um, I'm like, wow, this is good. And I tell my friends that live on the East Coast. I used to, and I'd be like, no, don't necessarily have to move here, but move West. And because open space, peace of mind, safer when you get pandemics and such, um, nicer people because we're just not on top of each other mm-hmm. and everything like that. Yeah. So, um, uh, but yeah, there's parts of Wyoming we drive through now still that I'm like, no one's ever going to live there. So yeah. I get, you know, it's, there's just inhabitable parts. Um, I, I remember they did a simulation in high school and this red dot would met, re- represented a million people and all of the United States, bigger and bigger Wyoming. I don't think we ever got a red dot in like a hundred year simulation. Yeah. And, and so I was like, yeah, because there are parts in middle Wyoming, like you, there's just no anything there. Doesn't it, yeah. Doesn't Harrison Ford and Kevin Costner have homes there? Don't they have ranches there? Yeah, that's up towards Jackson, though. That's um, the Hollywood elite. That's yeah. where, like, I think um, they live in Cody, which was Kanye and Kim. I don't know if they still even live in Wyoming. Maybe Kanye does. Um, Nikki Six of Molly Crew just bought a huge mansion up in Jackson area. I love how they all move. That's not going to. That's not going to piss off the neighbors. Yeah. Are they just sort of like, oh, we're going to move out to the country. And it is so hard to like afford to live in Jackson. Like for the, the people that support all that stuff, like industry workers and stuff have to live in houses like 10 people deep just because the housing market is so expensive mm. and you can't buy a house because of these big names come in and buy up everything. And, and so it's interesting everyone's always like Wyoming and they say Jackson. I'm like complete opposite corner of the state from me. It's a beautiful area. The Tetons are amazing. Um, nice but, Tetons, but I don't live anywhere near, <laughs> near that place. Well, uh, people are going to have to, people should expect that there's going to be a mass migration. There already has been since this last year, everyone has to spread six feet apart. Okay, take millions of people and six feet apart. What? Everyone just moved in, you know. You've got, you know, you've got um, Florida and New York, and you've got uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland, and Seattle. So those boomed. And then, uh, and then all that happened aside from everything just so expensive. People started to move to, uh, and, and people already moved to Bend, but people started to move into Colorado all over Colorado, people started to move to um, Nashville, uh, Boise, Austin, uh, Ashland, and what is it, Asheville? Asheville, North Carolina. Yeah, Asheville. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, not Ashland. Ashland. Ashland's up in Oregon. Yeah, it's the Shakespeare Festival, right? Sorry. Yeah, Yeah, but people are moving to smaller cities, you know, Minneapolis, whatever, whatever it takes uh, to live cheaper and live better. And everyone's like, stay out of my state. But it's like, (laughs) well, where are we going to go? We want to come live here, you know? I've met so many people at the bar since I've been back. Like, yeah, we just got here from San Francisco or LA. Wow. So so many new members of the bar. Yeah. it's Chattanooga is the next is the big secret. Like don't move to Boise. Oh, everyone's moving there. Chattanooga is the next big secret. Chattanooga has both has major industry. It's got art. It's got like bodies of surrounded by bodies of water and seasonal activities, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, 
so people are kind of sneaking into Chattanooga. It's nice and cheap sure. and buying all that stuff up. I, I don't know. I think it's cool. I think people should enjoy their life. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, well, your sister that like, cracked me up that you were saying, like, she went from total structure to be like, I don't want to plan anything. Yeah. I, I, I went from total, I'm okay living like a vagrant, going from concerts to DJing to whatever to, now I want a house and have a cat and a girlfriend and, a, and responsibilities and I got to write stuff down and I have calendars and, um, I mean, the job definitely kicked in a whole lot more responsibilities, but like when I go on vacation, I want to, I'm kind of like, I don't want to do anything. I mean, I want to go and do stuff, but don't like book up my time. Like don't put me on a schedule because I want to enjoy not being on a schedule. I, I understand that kind of thinking. But it's hard to shut off. It really is. Um, my job makes me a, a big time like troubleshooter, like of equipment and stuff like that. And there are just some things in life you can't troubleshoot. You just got to sit and listen to the problem, not just go, how do we fix that? How do we do right. that? And so I, I want my vacations to shut off that part of my mind, if it's ever possible to be like, all right, let's just have some fun and enjoy life. And I'm all about that and everything. I understand. Well, I got to say, don't be surprised. I think Tanya is looking at Nevada. Oh, cool. Yeah. I think she's looking, which would be nice because then we could all go visit our families there. Yeah. I know your mom lives there. It's close there. She's looking at it like they have a good healthcare system and taxes are low. Yeah. I've heard the tax part before. So I think she's, I think she's maybe thinking about possibly in the future, maybe already has done something to head that direction. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then, Yeah. Well, she's got people there. Yeah, so. I know. Cool, huh? Definitely hang. I'd love to see her. Are you coming out to Austin? Oh, wow. I'm going to South Padre uh, June, beginning of June. Oh, we cool. decided to go there. Vacation? Um, nice. It's Tia's birthday, uh, or yeah. 41st. Um, so we meant to celebrate her 40th, but COVID hit. And we did, but we went up to like a cabin out of the way. And so the same group of people are like, we're going to South Padre. Are we talked about a bunch of different places? I'm like, yeah, spring break. We're going to South Padre. And so none of us had been there. Um, and Tia loves like poolside and oceans. And so, yeah, we're excited Tia, for that. If everyone doesn't know already, Tia works with death. Yes. Yes, <laughs> Tia does work with the death. With, uh, she's a funeral director here in Laramie. So it's always good to get away. For yes um gotta get that salt water to wash off the formaldehyde <laughs> hopefully yeah well hopefully other stuff does um yeah. <laughs> i'm it's see it's weird because i'm so like impervious to it half the time like I, I we've been together nine years and so the phone rings in our house it's the funeral home phone um, someone died kind of goes down our, our arrangements are being made something like that um like the smell she comes home from aldehyde or she has blood on her and stuff like that i'm like get cleaned yeah. up i understand <laughs> i understand you know it's a taxing job it's a tough job and does your cat I, smell that on her does carl smell that is he like someone I don't think they don't really pay to if only if it's another animal they get a little edgy but otherwise okay they care less about the dead smell i'm sure that was like the her natural smell which i don't think she smells thank god she doesn't smell like death 
dead smell all the time. <laughs> Thank God. Sweetheart, uh, you smell fantastic. Yeah. It wouldn't last if we if that would have been the case. I'm glad. Um, I've been in the morgue and it's a terrible smelling place. And yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. not good. Yeah, it's not good. I stepped into a I stepped into a morgue in Australia. I was doing um I was recruiting university students to do volunteer work overseas for international student volunteers. And I had to run in between uh, classes. Excuse me, professor, do you mind if I do a quick 60 second infomercial in between classes so I can promote the blah, blah, blah that we have on Thursday? Sure. Okay, I'll be right back. And then I'd run to another one. And I was doing it in front of like 200 to 800 people. <laughs> so I jump in front of them and um, I'd go, hey guys, my name is Charlie from International Student Volunteers. I'm here to tell you about an incredible opportunity. If you want to go to Costa Rica, New Zealand, the Caribbean or Thailand this summer, if you want to help elephants, sea turtles, uh, build um, homes for impoverished people. If you want to know more, come to our information meeting on Thursday. Go ahead and fill out these papers, write your name, email address, and get them back to me. I'll see you at the end of class and run up. And I would and I'd throw <laughs> the pamphlets out and I go to the next one. I do one, two, three. And then in between classes, I'd come back and I pick up all the papers. They'd give email addresses and they'd just say, fuck you. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then in between class, I'd put all their info in and get them going. So I go to this one room I see these kids going in lab coats in the room. I go, oh, I'll go in there and try it. And I open the door and I take one step in and I see uh, like a corpse on a table with no skin and the smell of death hit my nose. And it was so dank. I'm like, oh. yeah. <laughs> and the students saw my face and the blood going out of my face. And I just stepped back and shut the door. Yeah, the smell of death is no bueno. Yeah, we have a cadaver lab here at the university and we do a lot of there's technology involved in the room and so we have to go in and put stuff and they do a phenomenal job of like cleaning up and they have stuff built in but <sighs> they, every year they need to have like a total cleansing of the room because it's it's a it's a distinct smell yeah it's hard are, to are you hearing that university <laughs> yeah, pull, yeah those, that. pull those carpets out and get some tile floors yeah i mean, know they have like Floors that you like totally like spray down, hose what like it's a very like clean, sterile, secure room, and like we have a bunch of cool equipment in there they can use to get inside body parts and stuff. So it's a very interesting <sighs> setup. Yeah, I'm glad I don't go. I've been in there a few times when we were installing stuff, but never during full on action. Hope never again. Well, I'm glad like we're alive and not dead. As I, I just being yes. dead must suck never again really that's it okay yes yes and so um we left you off yes yeah. our last podcast episode uh -huh. eight people and we we covered so much ground from us growing up together um to i went and i went off i went off on a tangent anybody listen to the last podcast I, I don't know if i was i don't know if i had smoked some mary jane or i don't know what happened but i was going off and, and so um, we recovered from when we both moved out of Oregon. You moved to North Dakota. I moved to Wyoming. You ended up back in California, not moving to California after that through high school. And we kind of cut it off kind of after that. We talked to politics, some different things here and there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're about in your 20s. And I know the last statement that was made was the porn party and the Bride of Frankenstein. Oh, my God. Yes. That's a good story. Yes. Okay, I'll tell you a funny story. Okay. So so my buddy, uh, and I'll just say his name because 
He's my buddy, but uh, my yeah. buddy Scott, he's a bartender, a friend of mine who uh, I worked at one of the biggest nightclubs in LA, in Hollywood for six years. It was called the Highlands Nightclub. It was two floors, eight bars, 20 bartenders, 20 security guards. And I made friends with this guy. His name is Scotty. And he's like an older brother figure, you know, old Marine surfer dude, beach guy. And um, he and I used to go to some crazy parties and events, one of which he goes, hey, come and let's meet so-and-so he's th there there's a huge porn party on sunset and i was like okay all right let's go so we go down to sunset and it's right across from the rainbow room like on sunset and um it was a it was a huge room it was like a huge hall and there was a couple of porn stars there and like for every porn star there was like 20 photographers and it was like porn stars meeting and then they started shooting porn in the different rooms and i was like okay and then this one crazy ex porn star cougar tried to hit on me and take me back to the valley and i'm like no i'm not going back to the valley with you no way no this is getting crazy yeah. too much so uh after i shook ron jeremy's hand and wiped it on my friend <laughs> i said let's get out of here this is not my jam he goes okay and now by this time he had I don't know if he drank before we left, but he was advanced in drinking. And whenever we went out drinking, uh, one of us would look after the other. Okay, so we go across the street to the Rainbow Room. <laughs> and we're inside at first. There's a couple of celebrities at the main bar. It was packed. It was like a Friday night that we had had off. And um, we go outside to the outside bar, big patio, little bar. Everyone's sitting at the stools in front of the bar. So we had to reach through to get a drink. And my buddy Scotty rolls up. And he looks to the left and he looks to the right. And he's, as he's ordering to the bartender, hey, give me a drink. I want to drink. Get a shot for yourself. Get a shot for my buddy here. And he looks to the right and he goes, Jesus Christ, Bride of Frankenstein. Get this guy a shot too. <laughs> as he said that, and I'm standing behind him. As he said that, the guy goes, what did you say? And he turns to look at him and he starts standing up. And he never stopped standing up. He kept standing up. He stood up so tall, his head almost touched the ceiling. He goes, what the fuck did you just say to me? And I look and I hit the, the look on his face was like Marty McFly when Biff stands up and all you can see is his eyes over his shoulders. This guy was, he was, he was the guy in Big Fish. He was the giant in Big Fish. Oh. With a giant neck that connected from his giant ears. And he was so big, his head cocked to one side. He had trouble walking. His hands would go around a basketball. He was massive. He was a giant. So here Scotty tells him, hey, what's up? Bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> this guy, he stood up and he was like Frankenstein. He was so massive. And then when I realized this guy standing up, looming over him, there's like three other guys coming up behind us to like protect their buddy, the big guy. And I'm like, fuck, we're going for trouble. Scotty just told this guy he's Bride of Frankenstein. So immediately I turned into Gene Wilder from Young Frankenstein. I get in between him and I look at the guy and I point at him and I'm like, hey, I know you. I know you, buddy. <laughs> Do you remember Gene Wilder's like, hey, you, you good looking guy. That's basically what happened. I got in front of him. I was like, I know you. He's like, what did your friend just say? And I'm like, he didn't mean it. He didn't mean it. Listen, he was just saying, he says crazy shit all the time. He was going to buy you a drink. If you took it the wrong way, I'm totally sorry. It just happened to be you and you happen to be a massive guy. It was that point. The owner comes in. One of his friends must have said it. He's like, you guys get the fuck out of here. And I'm like, sorry, sorry, sorry. And this guy was like seven and a half feet tall. So as I'm apologizing, you hear smash. And I turn around and my buddy had a drink in one hand and a cell phone in the other. And he had turned around and crashed into like two tables <laughs> trying to get out. Just like kaboom, he had tripped and fall and the tables went everywhere. I was like, oh my God, Bride of Frankenstein. I'll never forget that.
<laughs> anyway, I just I don't know if I ever told you that story, but yeah, yeah, that's what did you say to me? That's how we talk. You're so giant. Wow, yeah. Um, I've been tossed out of a few places. <laughs> Once with oh, you yeah. in Las Vegas, by the way. Oh, yeah, that's right. Did we tell that story? That guy was an asshole, and that's why we got tossed out. He yeah. was. Yeah. I said, I just want to kind of just get a little bit of water, and he poured a little bit of water in a shot glass. Like, we'd been drinking all night. We were having a blast. It was like the last club or two we were going into. Yeah. And I know those bartenders see so much shit, but when I say, you know, hey, can I get a glass? Can I just a small sip of water real quick? He puts it in a shot glass, and I was like, you fucking asshole. Boom, all of a sudden, get security. We were already walking out, and then I was so shit faced. Do you want to file a complaint? And I sat there, and I was super drunk, trying to file this complaint against the bartender. And I was like, "What are we even doing? Let's get out of here!" And you know great. what happened? Yeah. Uh, you know what happened? It was so early in the morning, I couldn't get a room because it was like ten in the morning already. The light was out. You went back and had to leave that day, so I went to the Four Seasons and for oh, yeah. 150 bucks got a massage and was in i i fell asleep in the massage i fell asleep she yeah. could have massaged me for five minutes said okay your massage is over i ended up putting my robe on and staying in like the lounge area drinking pineapple water and just sleeping for hours every time i opened my eyes there'd be a different person in front of me in one of the other lounge chairs it'd be a couple whatever and then uh and i can't remember if it was that time because i went to man vegas is trouble I, i'm not a big fan of vegas <laughs> vegas is like you spend all your money. You stay up way too late. You're hungover by the second day. You're just drained, you know? And, I, used, uh, I used to know how to work it perfectly. And then, yeah, I gotten older. Um, not as so much. But, yeah, I used to be, like, perfect parties, perfect. Like, never was hungover. Or would build in that last day to, like, just chill, get my shit together so I could fly the next day and uh get it together. yeah now it doesn't happen as much where um i don't party my ass off every time I'm in vegas where my family lives there so maybe one night getting crazy because i got a good buddy that lives there too and that's about it but as we get older we're like uh maybe not so much or let's all hang out together my mom and mike my stepsister you know his family let's all hang out together not yeah close down the clubs at four in the morning i'm glad i know i've lived that life i've done it um i definitely lived a life of of never wanting to say i wish i did that because i yeah. didn't do that so yeah. i mean i'm all right with not doing that again i've been thrown out of a couple of vegas clubs most of the time all but once was everybody else's fault but mine but i was just guilt by association as i like to call it and uh we are at a uh, place called Tangerines. It was at Treasure Islands. It's not there anymore. Um, it was St. Patrick's Tangerine. Day. Yeah, St. Patrick's Day, pretty sure. Been drinking since like 10 in the morning. It was like March Madness was going on. We drive into Vegas. And so I think I started driving. I started drinking in Mesquite. I didn't drive. Let somebody else drive. Started dr drinking right about then and kept going all night. And we get tangerines, we're sitting in VIP, and I we're we're gonna leave, I'm pretty sure. So I get up and to walk out and I trip over the velvet rope that hangs there, and everything goes flying, glasses, oh. all that good stuff. And this big Samoan dude, bouncer, comes up, picks me up, 
off my feet. I'm like in the air. I'm not a small person. And then I wasn't a small person. I'm like, ah, in the air. And I look at him. I'm like, I got to go. Right. And he's like, yep. I was like, I can walk out. I know I'm wrong. Let me go. And I walked out. And, but the moment I walk out, blackout, don't remember the rest of the night. I think we go to breakfast. I make a fool of myself more. Uh, some text messages were sent, I think, and everything. And next thing I knew, I remember waking up my buddy's couch and my phone's going off because it's my birthday now because my birthday is the 18th of March. St. Patrick's Day was the night before. So everybody's texting me and wishing me happy birthday and such. And I'm like, what happened? I just remember getting thrown out of tangerines and that's it. And my buddy's like, oh, dude, you were like the drunkest guy on the planet. And so it's like, oh, my turn to get us thrown out. From the first time I get us thrown out. I'm usually the voice of reason. <laughs> the drunkest guy on the planet. How was your yeah. night? I was the drunkest guy on the planet. Yes. <laughs> so, so I got a Vegas story for you. Okay. And uh, I didn't tell this story to my family. I finally told my family a story and they love this story, but um, just because I was so stupid when I was younger. Um, so when I was about 21, I was working at Rusty's Surf Ranch on the Santa Monica Pier. And I decided to take a week off with the money I'd saved up, which is like, I don't know, $2,000 or whatever, to drive to North Dakota. And I had, a, I had like an Oldsmobile, a very comfy Oldsmobile. All right, I'm gonna take some time off. So I told my boss, I'm going to drive to North Dakota. Take me two days. Okay, fine. So I drive all the way and I get from Santa Monica. I get to Beaver County, Utah. I passed Vegas. I'm going north. And now I'm in southern Utah. Been there. And I decided around three in the afternoon to smoke a joint in the car. The whole thing while I'm driving. Uh -huh. And I had really good weed. <laughs> So I smoked this whole thing, no sunglasses, no visine, super crypto chronic. And I, I, right when I finished it, I pass a, um, a motorhome, right? And I, I swear I was not speeding. Cop lights behind me. I'm like, oh no. So the cop pulls me over. Now my whole car reeks of weed. I have no sunglasses, no visine. My eyes are crimson red. He comes up to the right side of my car How's it going? And I have the biggest smile on my face. I'm like, pretty good. <laughs> and I had like shorts and a tank top on. Nothing. I was just like, hey, what's up? So uh, he goes, how you doing? I go, I'm doing pretty good. How about you? He's like, well, you know, I got you for speeding. And I was like, I don't think I was speeding. He goes, yeah. Kind of smells like marijuana in here. He goes, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I have a little bit on me. You know, just a little bit. You know, I kind of admitted to him because I'm in Utah and I was just so I mean, I was so happy. I was actually in a really good mood to see him. I was like, I can't believe I just got pulled over, right? He goes, well, you mind if I search your car? I go, no, not really. I mean, all I have is this little bit here. And I showed him the backpack. He goes, well, I have my dog. And I was like, oh, all right. Well, I already said yes. I didn't have to say yes, right? He pulls this dog out of his car. It's a fucking puppy. If the puppy was six months old, I'd be surprised. So he's like training his puppy, sniffing around the car. And he says, okay, well, listen. I got to arrest you for the paraphernalia. So, but I, you're not drunk. And, and, you, and when was the last time you smoked? Oh, eight in the morning. <laughs> He's like, okay, yeah, whatever. Listen, just follow the precincts right behind us. Just turn around and follow me back. Okay. So this cop was so nice and he knew I was just like all smiles. He let me follow him back to the precinct, which was like two exits. Instead of just leaving my car there. I think he kind of knew I was an idiot, <laughs> right? So we go back to the precinct park my car. I get booked. I make a collect phone call. 
I called my house because at the time I had like three roommates. Called the house and I left on the answer machine. Um, it was like, um, it was a, you have a collect call from the Beaver County Correctional Facility from Charles Barrett. Please return the blah, blah, blah call. I'm like, oh man, no one's answering. I'm fucked. So I got to get a bail bondsman. And while I'm in there, one of the cops, they were nice. One of the older cops, he comes in, silver hair and a red, beet red face like he was just high blood pressure and maybe a drunk. I don't know how that's possible in Utah, but yeah, there's there's all these druggies around here all the time. And I'm just thinking, man, I don't, this is all I do. I'm, <laughs> all the guys yeah. are like, this kid's nothing. I go in there a couple of hours. I eat my stale bread and my vegetable medley and it's fucking freezing. And I bail out. Bail boundsman comes. I get out and I stand in front of the cop that's up on the desk. No one's there. Now it's like eight o'clock at night, right? Dark outside. He's getting me out. The bail bondsman cost me like, you know, I don't know, 1200 bucks to, it cost me a thousand bucks for the paraphernalia. It cost me another thousand for the bonds. I'm now I'm just broke. I'm like, fuck. So I'm sitting there and right before he checks me out, his one phone rings. He goes, hello. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Hold on one sec. Here he goes for you. And I'm like, what? And he hands me the phone and I take the phone. I go, hello. And I just hear two of my friends, Mike and Jake, they just start laughing hysterically. <laughs> All right. So this is 25 years ago. There's no internet. They, they got that message just before they called the, the one from the correctional facility. Yeah. They looked it up. I don't know how they looked it up. Um, the Beaver County correctional facility in Utah found the number, called the number. It was the direct number to the cop standing in front of me. <laughs> So they're laughing hysterically. I start laughing hysterically. The cop starts laughing hysterically. And now we're all laughing. I'm like, I'm, you guys, come on. I got to get out of here now. Okay, so now what do I do? So we all laugh. I bail out of jail. Fine. I go out to my car. I'm so nervous. I still have more weed in my car. The cop didn't find. So I threw that away. All of a sudden, where are my keys? I lost them. I had to call the AAA. They come out. They break into my trunk. All this shit. Did you throw anything away recently? And I was like, oh my God. I went over to the garbage can and that weed that I had thrown away, I was so nervous and still kind of high. I threw my keys away. Fuck. So two more hours, I had to sit in the police station, stand by the police station. What am I supposed to do? So I call my friend, Frank. I say, hey, you, I said, uh, Jan's got friends out here. This older, crazy friend of ours. Uh, does he, is there any place I can stay in Vegas? He said, he said he had friends in Vegas. Okay, talk to this guy, Jerry. Jerry was like a head of a contractor. He's a contractor, right? Jerry will put you up for the night. He already said yes. Here's the address. Okay, so I write the address down. This is before cell phones. Mm -hmm. So I drive back to Vegas. I get to the address, knock on the door, and nobody's home. <laughs> I'm like, fuck. Okay, I'm just going to sleep in my car. So I fall asleep in the car. All of a sudden, go, 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 go. Pulling up next to me. The sun is almost just coming up, and a big truck pulls up next to me in the driveway. Out of the truck in the driver's side was this six foot two Mexican guy with a giant cowboy hat, big mustache, big smile. In the middle was this guy, Jerry, short, older white guy, silver hair. And the passenger side was another six foot tall girl. She was stunning, long black hair, tan skin, rocking body. And they all go, Hey, are you Charlie? We heard you were coming. Yeah, come on in. And I'm like, Oh, hey. Hey guys, I was so fucking just tired and like, ah, oh, slept in my car. So they invite me inside and it turns out the girl spoke seven languages, had her law degree and she was like Hawaiian, French, whatever, but she was the head of all the VIP girls at like, um, 
spearmint rhino or cheetahs one of those two i can't remember and she was like look i make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year doing this it put me through law school yes i have my law degree but i just go back here because it's easy i don't do drugs i don't drink a lot i just make all this cash because they can't touch you and i tell i teach all the girls that you want some pancakes i'm all <laughs> sure <laughs> okay so she starts making us pancakes big mexican guy leaves jerry's super hospitable they set me up for the night she ends up leaving he goes listen you're here for the day i know you, i didn't have any clothes to go party i got some friends coming over oh we'll get you some clothes and of course he's giving me like these crushed velvet pants and the <laughs> crazy vegas shirt i'm like fuck man his buddy comes over hey listen we're gonna get some ecstasy it's gonna be fun i'm gonna take you out in the town don't worry you can pay me back which i did he loaned me a couple hundred bucks so we ended up um he had some friends come over to bring some ecstasy. The guy comes over, opens up a duffel bag of bottles of pills. He had like $250,000 worth of ecstasy. And Jerry yells at him. He's like, you motherfucker, don't ever bring that much over here to my house again. I have businesses to run, blah, blah, blah. So he scrams. These guys buy their stuff. Okay, I'll take it. And I've only done ecstasy. At that point, I think I'd only done it once, like a year or two prior. And I don't know. And you never know who makes that shit right yeah so we each takes some ecstasy we're all dressed up it's still sunny outside we're gonna head out in like two hours so as i'm sitting in between uh jerry and this other buddy of his i'm sitting outside in the patio by the pool and they're talking and jerry's talking and this guy's talking i'm listening right it's starting to kick in it's starting to kick in and they're talking jerry says something the guy says something jerry says something the guy says something and i go to chime in i go well, you know what I think? And I just puked all over my chest <laughs> right in front of these strangers because the whatever opiate was in the hair was in the um, was in the ecstasy. I just fucking puked all over my chest in front of these people. I didn't even know. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I I am a little light in my stomach, maybe. <laughs> and they're like, OK, don't worry about it. Throw that shirt away. Got another shirt doesn't end there then they go let's go to the strip club he had vip at all these strip clubs so we roll in and they're the finest strippers you've ever seen vegas strippers it's crazy it's a giant party i buy one lap dance from a white girl with black braids rocking body big old bubble butt and as she's doing that in front of me i'm on ecstasy i'm like wow and i hauled off and kapow oh, her no. right in her ass she turned around and grabbed me by the throat and was like this dance is over <laughs> like it's totally worth it then of course we go i go sit down with jerry i'm like oh my dance is over i spanked the girl's ass and then a bouncer comes up right behind me and she's screaming and pointing at me i'm like oh this guy's gonna fucking grab me by the back of the neck but he didn't because he saw who i was with and jerry's vip and they let it go right and the funniest thing that the, the 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 thing the last thing that happened in that strip club was these two girls they either worked there and had the night off or they just were doing this at random bars they came in and they had squirt guns and they would squirt a guy in the back of the head for him to turn around. What the fuck? Who's doing that? And they were really beautiful. They'd look at him and they'd kind of give him the old eyebrows up and down. He's like, oh, hey, what's going on? <laughs> then they would smile. And they had those fake hillbilly teeth in. They would just <laughs> smile these fake hillbilly teeth. It was so funny. And, uh, and so, yeah, I had to tell my, then I had to tell my family. I was like, my mom and my grandmother were up in North Dakota. I said, yeah, I had a car trouble. I, I can't make it up. I had to turn around and spend $2,000 repairing my car. You know, I had to go back my tail between my legs. My work, I had called them. They're like, you idiot. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, wow. Wow, great yeah. story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can't say I've... Well, I've had the one where 
Vegas. Um, it's my buddy's bachelor party. Uh, I just moved back to Wyoming, so I wasn't really set up to go to the bachelor party, but I got in on it. And uh, so I get on the flight ahead of them. So I'm there a good two hours ahead of them. And, oh, what are you doing, Vegas? Oh, gamble. And then I'm like, wait a minute, strip club. It's eight in the morning. Let's do this. Oh, you know? yeah. And so I think I had to cheat us. And uh, sorry, mom, if you're listening, I know you probably are. And uh, go there. <laughs> Sorry, mom. I had a yeah. lot of fun when I was younger. Yes. Um, I mean, this is 17 years ago, 18 years ago. And uh, so in the strip clubs, good time. Um, not really into like the whole private lap dance thing, but this really beautiful lady comes. I, and it was like a weird day she of the week. Gotcha. She got like, you. Yeah. I want to say it's it always like, that one. Yeah. Like a Wednesday uh -huh. or something. It was a weird, odd time of the week. And so, Go get lap dance. We're in the back area, you know, and so sit on your hands, all that good stuff. And she's like, well, what you, what do you drink? And I'm like, well, normally I'm like a Jack Daniels guy. Next thing you know, there's Jack Daniels shots. And I'm like, oh man, those are going to cost me a ton. You know, like uh, I'm just, things are starting to go up my head. Like this is good. This is going to be expensive outing to the back room for me. And uh, so she starts talking to me. I mean, about like, why she strips like the whole story like she runs a business she only she lives in like la or something but is only there like two times a week because they make so much money but she only has to come back she's like these two days pay for my yeah. mortgage my car my everything yeah. yeah and i run my businesses the other time and there's yeah. nothing to do with with stripping or anything I'm like oh that's crazy that's awesome and everything i think i said stuff like that and so she's like all right let's do the dance and so she starts dancing and takes the shot and it's like puts my head up against her chest and i do a shot off her titties yes like a shot of jack and i was like that was amazing <laughs> i was just like wow okay going this is and so that song ends and usually like it's two songs three song two songs usually and so the second song she just sits there on my lap just sits there and we talk for a little bit and I'm like, oh, this is a waste. And she's like, oh, no, I didn't. In my head, she's like, oh, I still got you. So here comes song three. And I think another shot of Jack. And I was like, oh, crazy. And she's like, got her head over my head, like on my shoulder. And she's arched. She's got her back to me. And she's like, you know, you want to grab him. And I'm like, but I can't. She's like, it's okay if I say it's okay. And I'm like, yeah yeah okay and i so i did <laughs> so i did and i was like that was that was pretty sweet and so we we end and i'm like oh man how much you know i'm thinking lots of money and 80 bucks was my total even with like a good tip too was my total debt and so i my friends get into town they're like what'd you do and i'm like i'm 80 dollars into the flesh trade right now and they're like what and i was like <laughs> i tell that whole story and I was like, that was probably the least amount of money I thought I was going to get away with spending in that particular scenario. Uh, but she liked me, thought it was cool enough, nice enough guy, and wasn't a jerk about things. And I, everybody loves it, truthfully, because they don't know anybody from Wyoming. When you say I'm from Wyoming, they're like, oh, they say Jackson or something like that. And they're like, yeah, I don't know anybody from Wyoming. I'm like, now you do. Boom. So, yeah, it was that was that was fun.
I thought you were going to say, uh, after you, you took a shot off one of her titties, that you were like, how about taking a shot off of one of them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Belly button shots next. Belly button shot. Belly button shot. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, that was, that was fun. That was a good time. I mean, I mean, I have some, I've had lots of Vegas times that I really probably couldn't talk about on this show. That's, I always say, I'll save it for the movie when people pay me to tell these stories. Yeah. Otherwise, they go in the vault and they get told at other times because, yeah, I've yeah. got stories I don't know if I should tell. Like, yeah, I went to Tijuana once and I shouldn't <laughs> tell that story. Yeah, I did. I did go to Cabo once after uh, I had this girl break my heart back in 2007. And my buddy, um, my buddy's like, let's go to Cabo. All right. So we fly down to Cabo and we had a blast. We had a fun time. But I drank so much during the day because they were giving me like vodka with pineapple juice and squirt or uh, haritos or whatever. So you don't know. And I guess, you know, with the super hot sun, you're closer to the equator. I blacked out, woke up in the room. I was like, what happened? And he goes, buddy, you had this beautiful girl hitting on you. And all of a sudden you started talking in tongues and she looks at me and goes, what's wrong with your friend? He's like, I don't know. And then you stood up and it was one of those pools where it's like ankle deep. So you can kind of suntan in the water. Yeah. And then goes into the pool itself. He goes, you got up and was like, I'll be right back. And you fell into another woman standing up and you both went in the pool. He goes, then you tried to play volleyball with the group and you went up to set the ball, like the triangle set, and you open your hands up so the ball bounced right off of your face. <laughs> he goes, everybody in the whole hotel is watching at this point, applauding. And then he passed out on the one of the chairs and we just sprayed suntan lotion on you. And then he ended up hooking up with the girl. I was like, oh man, that fucking sucks. Yeah, it is amazing when you black out. And I, mean, I, I mean, we've done it five or six times. Thankfully, I know people are like, oh, every time I drink, I black out. And I was like, I would never drink again if that was the case. And so because you do stuff like that where you're like, oh, I'll be right back. And you fall into somebody or, yeah, you say. You know, last time we talked, I was I was not drinking, right? Yeah. So I, I quit drinking for a year. And since then... Uh, I'll have a couple sips of tequila and like a beer or two. But what had happened was, you know, the whole blacking out thing. I partied so hard because of particular circumstances, which we covered a little bit last time we talked. Yeah. But between my late teens and early 20s and my 30s, um, it it was basically self-medicating from the chaos that we had to kind of grew up, grow up in. Yeah. And for some reason, it hit me hard. And I just said, fuck it. I'm going to do whatever I want. And I did. Uh, became a bartender drinking turned into a habit and because i was getting up every day and at one point i was running 11 miles a day i was boxing i was cycling uh before i quit drinking i was doing yoga and uh i was making excuses i'm a grown man it's fine when i saw um when i saw my dad who has dementia now and his wife who's an alcoholic right. uh, when i saw where they were at reverse mortgage on their house, no money. And the drinking has a lot to do with it. And all of a sudden, when you're in your 70s and 80s and you start losing your mind, I was like, okay, I have to get my life together. I have to save some money, a lot of money for the future. Uh, I'm going to quit drinking till I put $40,000 in the bank. That was kind of my goal. And I don't want to be like that when I get older. I don't want to be yeah. like, I'm a lush, you know? I just don't, you know? That runs in our family, you know, in our past our elders and whatnot so that pushed me to stop and six months after i stopped i realized that the drinking was giving me high anxiety little things 
were big things and big things were crippling. And I never knew it because it was normal to wake up every day feeling like dog shit, going to the gym, sweating it out. Okay, now I'm back to, now I'm back to the main line, right? Always waking up lower than main line. What's the main line? Um, Status quo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're supposed to wake up. So when I quit drinking, all of a sudden I would wake up feeling that main line. I already feel good always. I'm not, I don't have any anxiety. Nothing was blown out of proportion. Little things didn't bother me. I'm like, oh my God. That's where my hangovers were were leading me to. And I don't, I I mean, look, to say I don't ever want to be drunk again. Like last night I had four beers and two sips of tequila. Between four and 12, I never got drunk and I drove home. I had a good time at this employee party we went to. And I still smoke weed because I love it. That's fine. I'm talking about drinking. Yeah. And, we're going, and getting back to blacking out. Uh, it got to a point where my partying, uh, I would, bad shit always happens when you black out. Yes. And, 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 and you did it. You just can't remember it. But you're responsible for your own actions. Yes. So I started going, um, when I would black out, the back of my mind would go, you need to go home. So it went from a whole bunch, for years of doing stupid shit and blacking out, and having anxiety from hangovers to, okay, I don't want anything bad to happen. So if I start to black out, I'm going to go home. So for the last couple of years, um, I would go home. I'd be with friends at a bar and I just Irish goodbye, disappear and go home. Well, what fun is that? I just wasted a bunch of money. I still blacked out. I had to spend money to get a cab ride home if I didn't drive or I drove, which was awful, made it home. And then I would still drink at home. So then I was like, okay, why waste money? I'll just start going home. So I started coming home and drinking by myself. And I was finishing like a half a bottle of vodka a night, three quarters of a bottle of vodka a night. I would drink it with Xavier, whatever, wake up on the floor. My dog's on the couch. I'm on the floor. And I was like, okay, this has to stop. No more. I've this, I, in, another thing too, the whole key lime pie theory I told you about where you just over it, right? Yeah. Um, if you eat key lime pie once a day for 20 years, you're like, I'm fucking over key lime pie. I'm over cake. I want something new. This is bullshit. And so now uh, I'm proud of myself. I'm super happy that I like got a hold of the alcohol that I was consuming so much of. I figured it out. I'm like, oh, I see. I was self-medicating because of that became a habit, became easy because I was a bartender. And now it's like, no, no, I want more real estate license, work during the day, use my bartending uh, as a a way to network and be a part of, you know, action and what's going on in Austin. The people that I work for at the Pershing at Pershing, they're, you know, well-to-do. It's a members only club. So so things are good here right now. And I definitely feel much better not, like I don't have any booze in the house right now. There's no, there's nothing in the house. I'm just, I'm drinking Zevias and just, everything's fine. And I'm so, even though things are really stressed out, right? I, I'm really stressed out about some stuff right now. There, it's not crippling. I'm not freaking out about all this small stuff. It's like, look, write it down and chunk it out. Um, what did you do for real estate today? Uh, what did you do for uh, the sci-fi novel today? Um, and honestly, like today, I didn't do much. <laughs> I had the day off, but I haven't done much. Hey, that's good. Sometimes yeah. you need to be charged like that. Yeah. Um, anxiety. Wow. Uh, a few years ago, um, my job, uh, I guess, pulled the the rug out from underneath me. And a lot of people. Luckily, I still stayed employed, but 
didn't didn't know where it was going and that was the beginning of some serious like legit anxiety in my life Hmm. and were you drinking at the time yeah but it wasn't i'd already gone through my i'd stopped working in bars i got i've been out of like serious drinking in a couple years seven years probably or so um where i was drinking like every day of the week working in bars and stuff like that once i moved to my house now there's no bars around there was no uber at the time um so you had to set a plan to go out and drink and i was like well how about you just not drink and i thought it was gonna be more painful but it was fine i just don't didn't drink as much and slowly backed away from that that world um i can't drink like i used to nor do i want to but this anxiety was weird and they say with with diabetics which i am um you get low magnesium and that's the case where anxiety kicks in and there were a lot of other things in my life like yeah i owned a house and and girlfriend so there's a lot of uh responsibilities that were going on in my life that i didn't have probably prior to that and so I fought with this and next thing I know, it's like turning me into like everything could go wrong is going to go wrong. Don't leave the house. I didn't get as far as don't leave the house, but don't travel. Don't do this. Like all in my head. Um, if I drank the next day, I felt guilty and it wasn't like I did yeah. anything. I yeah. was just guilty for my time spent drinking when I could have been doing it. It was weird stuff. Like yes. that. Yeah. I can relate to that. Yeah. And so eventually fast forward to about a month ago i spoke to my doctor a year ago and said i have anxiety i think i'm going to take magnesium it's kind of working he's like well if it doesn't talk to me again so about a month ago i did and i started taking anxiety medicine nice and it was a wonderful change in my life yeah i cannot believe this is what normal was to me and it was so i was trying so hard to get back to this feeling of normal whatever what you know drinking or whatnot and i was like wow in the middle time period because it takes about a month for it to truly work on you and middle i felt numb but i wasn't feeling those gripping just anxiety moments where my crippling. heart would race crippling just ah yeah heart would race and all this stuff and and then one day i noticed about a month in i was like driving down the road and I'm like, I feel good. I think I feel this, this is what it, you should feel like. Yeah. This is what I mean. people, you can have an anxiety about a lot of things and you can stress about a lot of things in life, but I was stressing and having anxiety about things I didn't control mm-hmm. and you, the things you can control fine. Having anxiety about that, like your job, you know, your house, your bills, I get it, but things you can't control like other people. You can't control them and and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it was it was interesting. And my niece has it too. And she's got on new medicine and now she's getting out of the house and not uh, my stepsister's daughter. And so we're kind of going through this um together a little bit. I don't know, we haven't really talked about she's it. She's feeling good. She's feeling good. Yeah, she's driving. Like she she kind of already was homeschooling before COVID started. And so we we're like, well, she got it right, you know, stay at home. And uh, must my dad said they changed medicine and and now is just more of a social person. And so, and uh, so we're kind of bouncing off stories together. And he talked to her about it a little bit. I, I mean, she's thirteen or so. No, driving. So she's sixteen. Wow. And so, like, 
Um, I don't know how much she wants to share with me. And I know, I mean, I, I share with people because that I, when I tell this story, other people are like, well, anxiety is normal in life. And I was like, no, it's not. Like you shouldn't be just, you know, crippled by it. Like there are better ways to get around it. Sorry, I had a cough there. And so I'm like, there's no shame in asking for help. And, and, and there's no shame in quitting drinking. There's no shame in like yeah. all that stuff because you want to be healthy, happier. You want to live past 70 or 80 and have your brain and not have stressed out of your mind half the time. Mm. You know, uh, this last year I lost uh, my girlfriend from college. Uh, she, um, it was kind of short lived, I guess in college, but like for a year, uh, I was just crazy about her and she ended up, um, I mean, I mean, I could, I could tell the story. I just feel, you know, I don't know who's going to listen to this as far as my friends go, but, um, we were very close and then she, you know, she said no more. Something happened. I think she, you know, she slept with some other guy and said she felt guilty. So she went on her way. So years go by, and there's a there's a big story there. I don't know if I should tell it right now, maybe on the third episode. <laughs> but I, I really loved her, and she um, she had had some issues going on. She had some stuff happen to her, where and I, I still to this day like it's it's very strange that she's gone now, but she she couldn't handle it anymore. And she started drinking so much up in Portland and she had a boyfriend and, and his, her boyfriend had kids and everything was going well, but her drinking uh, was, was, was the self-medication for what had gone on in her past for uh -huh. everything that had gone on. And he ended up breaking up with her. She drank even more. She broke her hips. She drank even more. She just drank herself to death uh, a couple months ago. I got a phone call from our friend from college and um, uh, it's just, it's terrible. I've had, I have three friends now from college. One who uh, took pills and committed suicide. One who went from cocaine party to freebasing cocaine to crack to meth and died in his forties. And he was one of my closest friends. And then now my girlfriend from, um, college just uh just passed away from from drinking too much and i it is it me did i did i party too hard with these people and was i a bad influence on these people i hope not no hope not. no you can't be accountable for other people's actions yeah um, yeah we had a lot of time i mean, I, had, I remember having a friend that went to like rehab right right in the middle of our like just debauchery in college of drinking and i remember going that guy went to rehab we like there's like four other dudes in our group that should be in rehab way ahead of that guy like that really spoke to a lot of what kind of drinking choices were being made at the time and i knew i, I it was just a blessing to move into this house for me otherwise i probably would have drank and oh, drank shit. and drank and drank who knows i worked in bars so i don't know Real quick hold yeah. on keep talking i have to plug in my laptop yeah i just realized that it's about to the power's oh. about to go down hold on one second we don't want that and do a, so do a plug do a plug for something uh, hold on Wait, I'm, I'm well he's plugging in his plug. laptop yeah hold on <laughs> where uh 
we're waiting so we don't want the power to go off on that one talking about drinking and talking about getting getting help out there uh we listen we hear all these uh mental health ads uh for a lot of people that have been going on with covid and such and i i totally concur um if you need help talk to somebody um there shouldn't be shame and and trying to get your your head right for sure uh don't try to find the answer in the bottom of the bottle or bottom of the crack pipe or you know pills um but search out, search out that help a lot of this is turning into a, a psa of sorts for uh for getting help and everything um because not everyone survives all the great party times from our 20s and 30s in life and we we uh we take it into our our 40s and 50s and our body really just can't handle it and we can't make it and we don't know who to talk to or things seem so despair that we keep drinking and we don't find that clarity to stop and, and fix our bodies and i know there's plenty of people out there that drink every day or have a you know cocktail or two after work but they're not waste all the time fine more power to them like I'm not trying to talk down on them, but there's people out there that that just try to erase whatever pain, whatever issues are going on by how fast and how drunk they can get. And you worked in a bar. I worked in a bar too, um, but I hung out in it after, you know, not just the party times, not just the nights I DJ, but I'd hang out with people. And I was like, it was sad when I stopped hanging out at one bar, like stopped hanging bars that I lost those friends. Yeah. But it turns out the bar was their friend more than I was their friend. Yeah. And I was like, that's not the life I wanted. And so I understand in your scenario, like it's good. It's not the life you want. Um, Cause you see it firsthand up close, you know? And then when you find yourself drinking at home at the end of the night is a harsh reality. And so mm. um, well, you don't, when you're in it, you don't know any different also. Right. I mean, yeah. You know, I just, it's just go. I was fifth gear for so long that now, uh, well, first of all, I'm not the square at work, but I tell everybody, I feel like the square at work because I don't do cocaine. And, uh, I, you know, for the for last year before COVID shut everything down, I wasn't drinking with my coworkers and now it's like, okay, yeah, I'll have some tequila or whatever, but I'm, I don't stay after work. I go home. I mean, and honestly, I've partied enough. You get to a point where you're like, I, and I knew I was going to do it. I was like, you know what? First of all, watching my dad go through five wives and um, watching that all that chaos, I was like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to get married and have kids just to be divorced with kids and then do it again and over and over. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to be single and I'm going to party. And that's what I did in my late teens and early 20s. And I lived it up. Of course, in my 30s, <laughs> In my 30s, I wanted a relationship, but I wasn't wealthy enough for these girls in their 30s who wanted to nest. And I'm like, I love you. I want to have your babies. But this guy has a yacht and I'm going to go fly over here now. Yeah. And that's happened more than once to me. Um, but, you know, I, I do feel a little bit like a square. It was nice to actually go to this party yesterday. Like I said, I sipped on some really nice tequila and had a couple beers. But I was just enjoying everybody's company. And I could have stayed and done dubious amounts of extracurricular activities. And I decided to go home. You know, I just, and I woke up today with no hangover. Right, I actually yes. felt good. I'm like, <laughs> all right. Cause I know everyone else feels like shit. I actually sent a text out. How does everybody feel today? Sinners. 
Yeah. Um, I, I thought my partying days were, were behind me a little bit when I got married in my late twenties and moved to New York was all on my way to having that family and all that stuff and then get divorced and end up back in Laramie, a college town and a DJ. I was reborn a college kid without classes and it Great, was awesome. fine. Hey, it you was learned awesome. that was a learning curve going to New York. It's like New York wasn't your thing and neither was that girl. Yeah. You yeah. Know? True. Look how good things are now. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, if I didn't have that to learn from, of course I wouldn't be where I'm at. And I had some great times in New York. I don't absolutely hate my ex-wife by any means. We just weren't meant to be married. Yeah. We have to talk sense and that's fine and all that. But I learned a lot from that experience and everything. And, but yet was like, didn't quite learn enough at the time that every time my heart broke, every time it felt bad, that I turned to the bottle. And oh, yeah. it, was, yeah. it was the last relationship uh, before my current one. Um, I was about to, like I was pour, about to pour a big ass stiff drink. And I was like, no, this isn't the way. This isn't the way. And I dumped it down <laughs> the drain. And I was like, that's a Mandalorian joke. A Mandalorian joke. Yes. <laughs> Listener, this a Mandalorian joke. Um, and so I poured it out and was like, you have to address this with your emotions. Like you have to feel this. You cannot go and hide every time something like this happens by just getting totally intoxicated, getting drunk. I mean, cause that's how you do. Oh, so-and-so broke up. We're going to go on a bender. Like that was kind of the way. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to drink for fun. Right. And, and maybe it's one or two drinks a night and going home. That's fun. Yeah. The next day I'm not hung over and I feel good. And, and such like that. So I, yeah, if you, you drink, learn. if you drink good booze, it's worth drinking it. I will yeah. not drink a Bud Light or Jack Daniels. That's just, and I don't bag on people who do like all these swizzly twirly craft cocktailians who make all the <laughs> and the ha ha. Yeah. And the, I make 16 <laughs> types of bitters in my bathtub. Great. Good. Awesome. Fuck off. Um, I don't, uh, I wouldn't judge anyone for drinking a Bud Light or Jack Daniels. Just like I don't judge anyone who's like, I only drink tuxedos and paper planes once in a while in aviation will do. But um, I just want people to have a good time. So if you, you and I go out to a bar, we look at the booze and we don't pick just anything. We pick the one thing or two things that we like because if we're there to have a good time, we drink those things. Like I haven't drank, uh, I think the other night I actually tried um, somebody uh, handed me a sip of vodka in a mixed drink. And that was the first time I had vodka in two years because that was what I was drinking every night for 20 because all my older bartender friends who were in their 40s when I was in my 20s were like, look, kid, you're going to bartend. That means you have to stay in shape because you have to see your competition for what it is. All these girls have your job. Okay. And all these guys that are in better shape and better looking than you, they have your job too. So you better drink vodka and soda and you better go to the gym every day because you never want to hear the speech. Yeah. I mean, you, you're qualified, but we were looking for someone a little younger. <laughs> so uh, I was drinking vodka, but now uh, I really enjoy a nice tequila. And I'm not talking Casamigos. That's all vanilla oak, blah, blah finish. I'm talking about 
single uh, single property, hand-picked stone ground, copper stilled, you know, by, they don't make a whole bunch of tequilas and are outsourcing. It's one family, one tequila, and you get that stuff and it's very, very good. And I would never have known that, but the guy, Adam Bryan, who is the uh, beverage director at Pershing, he is so into vermouths, and whiskeys and tequilas and exactly where they're from and why that once you start tasting the good stuff all the other stuff is garbage yeah you know i'll never go back to tequila though huh. i got that speech from i worked in a liquor store in new york and i was already off tequila and the guy was like oh yeah can you drink all that crap you gotta try this stuff i've tried really good stuff it's it's the mindset and the smell, I do is no, I'm not down. I, I respect people that can still drink it and all that. It's just not a. I could turn I you like on that. to. I don't want to. At least three <laughs> that you'd go. Okay. Cause I don't drink tequila either. But for some reason, when I stopped drinking, I was like, why do I, well, I keep dreaming on drinking to about drinking tequila and I never liked tequila before. And now I see why, because it doesn't give me, it doesn't give me a hangover if I have two or three because i sip on it and the tequila i've been drinking is not aged in vanilla oak whiskey but it's like super clean and so when you sip on super clean tequila it's like oh that's what it's supposed to taste like it's not supposed to taste like all the trash that's out there um it's just like a good whiskey like i have my three go-to here's my three go-to's for all you listeners out there who want to buy something really well really good I'm so used to saying, well, when people say, how are you? I say, I'm doing well. How are you? I don't say I'm doing good. I'm trying to work on my grammar. Uh-huh. So um, here's my go-to for price points. If I'm going to drink whiskey, I like Redbreast 12-year because the price point is good. And it's a great Irish whiskey by Jameson Company out of Middleton in Ireland. It's a fantastic whiskey. If I were to drink tequila, and they just raised the price from like $38 to $75. Damn. If you can find it cheaper, probably in Laramie, get this tequila. It's called El Tesoro and get the Añejo and sip on it. Don't put any ice in it. If you did put one cube, but um, as I, it was explained to me that if you put ice in tequila, it doesn't make it bitter, but it brings out the vegetable notes in it and really right. does change the flavor. So, um, and then if I was going to drink rum, El Dorado 12 year is fantastic, but let's go further. Let's go Redbreast 15-year is even better than the 12. The 21, super expensive. The Eldorado 15-year is only three years older than the 12-year, and it's dry and spicy rum. So you could add a little velvet for laranum and some bitters and orange peel, and it's like top-notch. Makes me kind of thirsty right now. But even if I did have one, I would only have one. I'd be like, okay, I'm good, because I know. I actually, you you said earlier, you get kind of nervous or feel guilty, right? That feeling. So that's why I'm okay to have one or two. Because if I start to get a buzz, I stop. Because I don't want to have that feeling. And I don't want to have the anxiety. And I want to wake up hungover. And it's like this perfect, it's a perfect balance. And it's, I never thought it would happen. Because I never thought about it. Because when drinking is just what you do every day, you don't know. You don't think about it. And then if you try, and you don't have the motivation of why, you don't understand why, it's very difficult to stop drinking. Yeah. Yeah. We've turned in such a PSA about drinking, but yet you gave some good, good alcohols there to uh, 
to try out for people. Those are good. Um, yeah. I like those. Yeah. I just picked up this other one the other day. But honestly, yeah, if you look at the uh, uh, tequila matchmaker, I think it is, you can look up the tequilas, where they're from. And what you want to look for is uh, tequila that is just, like I said, single family, single farm. If they make a bunch of tequilas, that gives it that gives it up right away that they're sort that they're outsourcing from other farms and they mix it all together. You don't want that. You want one farm, one soil, one agave, stone ground with a little mill. That El Tesoro bottle, uh, the newer bottle, has like a stone. There's a word for it, and it's the stone mill. You put the stick in, you turn it on its side, and it goes around and crushes. The uh, you want that crushed if it starts if you use a mechanism to tear apart the the plant it does something to the flavor does something to the sugar, um, and the deconstruction of it all. But uh, yeah, wow. Anyway, I know we went off about alcohol here. We're not talking about it. It just tastes so good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I, that party yesterday. But uh, we're also finding examples of people that got out of it. Yeah. And and are living functional lives. And yeah. Yes, you can too. Like you can. Yeah. yeah. If you're having problems with drinking, just give me a call, man. <laughs> <laughs> just give my number. There you um, go. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you just, you know, you wake up to a lot of things. I mean, the anxiety oh, yeah. thing is huge because we look, you are not alone. We all go through anxiety in one form or another, whether it's work or family or how we see ourselves or whatever, whatever. Um, if you if you drink too much, I know exactly how you feel. Yeah, because that's what I went through, and I and I see I have friends right now who are drinking a lot. Are we? I think we're going off. Like we could change the subject now. Yeah. We're going Sorry. off too much about drinking. Let's talk about something else. Something else. And whoever's uh, listening to this right now and you're drinking, you're having a good time drinking yes, while listening, sorry. drink up. We yes. want you to get yes. fucking shit faced because we can't. Yes. So you yes. do it for yes. us. Party. Yes. Well, we started, um, well, my girlfriend and her friends started a Wednesday night COVID club, drinking club, where they make different cocktails and have like food that goes with it. And they would get together on Wednesdays and do this. And it started last summer and they had social distance. And they're still going on. Well, I was like, that's a good idea. So I started one in like February. So I have people come over to my house. We're all vaccinated and everything. And um, I don't necessarily change up the different drinks. We've done some different stuff. We've definitely done Moscow meals, um, some uh, white Russians. Uh, I, I do cape cods a lot just because i like vodka and cranberry and um it's easy um but we hang out it's good to see people and stuff like that now that everything's open back up it's a little different and so tomorrow we're actually gonna meet up and go out because it's one of our covid people's birthdays our our club i guess i call it the wednesday hangout mine's the wednesday hangout what was the and, name of that little bar that we went to the little bar and there's just a handful of people and i think there was karaoke in it it was uh right quaint little bar uh, um bud's bar is on the other side bud's of the bar tracks. yeah the tracks yeah yeah it's out of the tracks yeah i it's had a lot of great memories there like when i first moved back to laramie it's still uh, open yeah i think so i haven't been there in a while uh, maybe not since you've been here uh, yeah probably wow you uh, still make it on that side of the tracks very often yeah uh, i had a buddy that bartended there every wednesday for a long time and it actually 
got me watching South Park again because we throw it on the TV there. And I was like, oh, I forgot how funny this was. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, Bud's Bar's gotten a couple of shout outs in the last couple of podcasts because we talked about it. The guy that bartended there was a couple of podcasts ago. And then people that would frequent it, we go, oh, yeah, I went to Bud's on Wednesdays and such. And so the bars here in Laramie, such fine establishments and everything. Yeah. And, uh, it's such a different world too. I mean, right now that um, Wyoming's totally restriction free on Texas is too, but we're a college town. So a lot of places are like, well, I don't know. I don't know. We're, we're still wear a mask when you come in here. So that still happens. But now I feel invincible, not invincible, but I have the vaccine I'm out there seeing people without a mask on the university finally <clears throat> opened up wearing, not wearing a mask when you're on, like the moment you got on university property, you had to wear a mask inside and outside. So I would be wearing one outside and it sucked. And I know why, but I wouldn't see one single soul as I walked across campus from my office to another classroom with nobody else. I never saw anybody, but I got to wear a mask. So the last week we've been mask free, except for you go in the building. And so like, I have one of those, I have a millennium Falcon mask nice. that I wear that I, from the door to my office, if I'm doing like office to bathroom runs or somewhere quick, I'll throw on the millennial Falcon mask. Uh, but if I'm uh, going to go work around a lot of people, I have a different one. that has got like vents on it. It's a lot easier to breathe and everything and stuff like that. So I still respect people's choices and, and private businesses and such and everything. So, but it was interesting that we were one of the last like cities in Wyoming to actually have like a lot of restrictions left because we are a university town full of experts. So they want to be safe and sorry. And the university of Wyoming is sad to say, this won't cost me my job or anything, but they run a lot of their policies of, we just don't want to get sued. Mm-hmm. That is the bottom line. And so if you got sick with COVID because they didn't do everything they could to keep you sick, to keep you safe, you could sue the University of Wyoming. That's why they saw it. What were now, the COVID yes. case? What were the COVID cases numbers in Laramie though? Not much. Um, we only had 12 deaths, which is amazing for the size of city we are compared to the other cities in the Did state. Did Tia have to deal with those people? Yeah, and also some from Cheyenne where it had services here. Uh, the key was you probably let the body sit a little longer and try to get all that air out. Um, people still hold air in their lungs after they're dead. It's a bit, I've, I've been around that situation and uh, not the one with COVID, but someone, did trip, did someone let some air out while you're yeah. on there. <gasps> yeah. They're alive. We're turning it. We're moving them from one cot to another and they're like, <sighs> and I was like, Oh my God. And it stunk. It was terrible. And, uh, for an IT guy, for an <laughs> IT guy, I, I, it was a little tough, a little tough to handle. But um, <laughs> that's awful. We were, we, I mean, it was. I thought Laramie was rather fortunate. Our numbers are big. We're big as far as like COVID cases because we have students and we test every day, every week. Sorry, not every day. So I test once a week, and that's been going mm. on for the last year or so. And so you're going to get every, you're going to catch a lot of cases 
and so our numbers were big in that way, but it was mostly a younger age. Um, the older age people weren't getting as much, um, certainly not as many deaths that would happen in like a Cheyenne or a Casper or like a Gillette. Um, those places had more deaths than we did. Um, just cause they also couldn't catch it in time too. Like, cause we're constantly testing. It's constantly on our mind. That's what was going on. And so, and the nearest airport is where, cause I mean, you kind of think like we have a local air, airport in Laramie, but the local, the closest big one is probably Denver, Denver, then Cheyenne's got one Casper has one. Um, but we have I 80, which is a major interstate that goes through here. So like, I honestly would, during the winter time, I was like, come on, snowstorm, like mm -hmm. shut that road. Like, Cause if you shut down the roads, you can't bring it in. You can't right. bring it. Like it, it kind of limits that situation. John, so, <laughs> John Carpenter's yeah. the COVID. The COVID. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a, a unique, interesting experience. Tia just asked me the other day, what are we going to do with our masks? And I was like, it ain't over. Like, there's gonna be COVID no, twenty or something. I was just like, frame them. Yeah, I want to frame them with my. I have a positive COVID test that I got on nine eleven, which has turned out to be a false positive. My um, negative test that got proved that one wrong, and then the um, antibodies test that proved that the positive wrong. I want to hang them all with my mask, and just be like, "Yep, this is what we went through." You know, I, I was lucky in the fact that when I got back, Pershing offered COVID uh, or vaccine shots to guests, but all employees got them for free. So like a week after I got back, hey, come on in. You want one? Like right before I even started working, I was like, yes, because yeah. I didn't have to deal with insurance or doctors or make appointments or lines. I walked into work, bam, left right shoulder. Two weeks later, I walked back in, bam, left shoulder. And I was out. I was like, this is great. And, you know, everyone is freaking out, you know, uh, about whatever. I joke, you know, I think the nanobots are working just fine. I know I'm connected to the Wi-Fi telepathically. And, um, yeah, that's what's running the laptop right now. <laughs> I've always been able to talk to technology. That's why I work in IT. So it just gives yeah. me a leg up on the competition. Yeah, with the a boost. In my system. Um, and who knows, man? I mean, if, if aliens are real and we just had to get an injection so we can meet with them, I'm cool. Yeah. Like, it's just like that whole War of the Worlds theory where they died because we had bacteria that killed them once they got on the planet, right? That's how they were defeated, bacteria. I, uh, I heard a, a theory like that, well, some people believe that if you got the vaccine that you they can catch the nanobites from you like like through your breath so so they wear a mask not to protect them from covid but to protect themselves from the vaccine and stupid yeah and then the people that oh my god <clears throat> this is i was a, a yeah i was a fly on the wall on a walk at, at tanya's i was in a park doing my walk and i walk very fast i wasn't jogging that day i'm walking and I'm just about to walk by these two gals. One had a stroller and I overheard one of them saying, I just think the vaccine is the mark of the beast. <laughs> and I wish to God I wasn't walking at the clip I was walking at because I was already just starting to pass them. I was like, fuck, I got to keep passing them because I wanted to hear the rest of yeah. that story. <laughs> I was like, mark of the beast. 
This sounds like some Iron Maiden shit. <laughs> I went to brunch with two to with three people. Two of them not vaccinated. Two of us were vaccinated. I mean, I got mine like the moment like my diabetes number came up. And they, it was funny because I'm talking to them on the phone. They're like, how'd you hear about us? I was like, I got an email from you. Oh, yeah? Well, are you interested in getting the vaccine? I was like, yes. When can I get it? Thursday. I'm like, how soon? They're like, one Thursday earliest. Book it. So fast forward to do, hanging out with my friends, going to brunch. Two of them non-vaccinated. One of them, she's just like, well, I want to see how this plays out. Like, I want to give it time. Like, see if you guys all stay getting weird and turn into zombies or something. It's like, oh, respectful. I get that one. You know, it's, it seems the way it was made, it like it baffles some people that it was too fast or whatever. It's only emergency approved by the FDA and stuff like that. Then the other girl was like, well, I don't want to take the vaccine because I don't want to listen to a government that tells me what to do. I literally laughed for like five minutes, I think. Because mm -hmm. I was like, you know what country you live in, right? Like the government was dictating your life long before you were even born. And I was like, well, I don't understand like how this is going to save you. Yeah. All you have to do is say, COVID. do you know your social security number? And they say, yes. And they say, okay, tell me about control. Yeah. I mean, they know exactly where you are and what you're doing anyway, from your thumbprints to your social, to your cell phone, to your credit cards. What are you fucking talking about? Yeah, exactly. You, you know, it's, they're not trying to kill us. You know, they're trying to help. Yeah, this is like experts upon experts, thousands upon thousands are trying to save mankind, not track us. Our cell phones track us. Our transaction, I, that's, unless you are a true hermit and you live out in like the woods and the boonies and you yeah. live off of the land and you're on food, you probably don't need to worry about the vaccine or getting right. tracked. Like you're not going to interact with people. But you don't talk shit. Okay, great. You live up in the mountains and you're hippy dippy crunchy, but you got a laptop and you're going to talk shit about, Hey, you're up yeah. in the mountains. Enjoy your shit. Don't get eaten by a bear and leave yeah. us the fucking alone. We live in the city and we deal with gas pumps and people all the time at our jobs inside that suck. So we need to be healthy, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. And a healthy workforce is good workforce. And a lot of the times, why businesses make people wear masks in their business is to save their employees and give a shit about people coming in and out is right. to make sure their workforce can stay in and keep the business open. I, I got a story for you. Right. When I was gone, everybody at Pershing got COVID except for the sound guy, which was weird because he was dealing with the microphones and shit. And, uh, and the, uh, the bar manager, yeah. everybody got it because after one of Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle's shows that gave everyone COVID at Stubbs, he did a private show just after that. And him and his buddies, whoever had it in that whole group, brought it into Pershing too. And everybody there got it too. And they didn't tell me that. You know, I didn't ask about it. So until I got back, I was like, what? Wow. So yeah, so I didn't get it. I just, I just didn't want uh, my mom or sisters or, you know, to get it. Yeah, I absolutely. guess here's the thing. I, you know, talking about numbers and television and people, believers and disbelievers, Tanya worked at the hospital. She worked at one of the biggest hospitals okay. in Southern California, and she would come home every day and tell me exactly what was going on. She'd be like, okay, well, there, you know, you have to be in critical condition to be in the ICU. And right now there's a hundred people in between the two Hogs, uh, Newport and Irvine. Okay. There's a hundred people. 
but they're in critical condition. That's not, you know, everyone else who got it, it's like you live, you, you, you know, or you're in ICU just because of your body type. It's totally random. Um, I do know my friend's dad and stepmother caught it. The stepmother died. And my sister Rhonda, her coworker and coworker's daughter both got it and the mom died. And so the daughter has no one, no dad and no siblings. So she is alone. And that was pretty rough on them. Yeah. And then I know like uh, our friend, the same person whose dad and stepmom got it when the stepmom died, her mom got sick after the vaccine, after taking like the, whichever one she oh, took. Yeah. 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 Um, but what a fucked up year, man. Listen, yeah. Uh, you know, everything shuts down. Everyone's getting drunk around me. My dog dies. Yes. COVID. Fear and panic. And I drove across the country and nothing was, there was no cars on the road. And <sighs> gas stations everywhere were cleaner than you've ever seen them. <laughs> clean yeah. as clean as clean. So my whole road trip, the 8,000 miles I drove during COVID, 8,000 miles I put in my car. I've never seen bathrooms so clean, rest areas so clean, checklists, every single place, and there was no traffic on the road and gas was cheap. It was fucking awesome. And I've told a lot of people this. One thing I noticed, because I've driven all over this country several times, many times, is that living in bigger cities, they don't put the windshield wiper fluid in to squeegee your windshields. But since they had to check every bathroom and, and, and cross every T and dot every I, that whole last year, there was fucking that window cleaner Windex to wipe your windshields off. And I was like, this is great. Everywhere is clean. Thanks for my coffee. Thanks for my gas, plastic gloves, wipe my sanitizer and wash my windshields with Windex that they're supposed to be put in there, not water, coffee and piss or whatever goes on in those bigger cities. That was nice. That was a little perk of my traveling. We went to a wedding last summer in Kansas. And it was the first time, like, I swore I broke out of quarantine. I mean, broke out of Laramie. And so we're in, like, a convenience store. I'm filling up, like, a, a fountain drink. Okay. And so I set it down next to me. And these two, like, teenage girls come up next to me. And I'm, like, six feet in my head. I'm, like, fucking six feet. Like, get away. You know? And they're looking over this pizza stuff, pizza, like, stuff. And I'm, like, just so socially awkward at the time. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I haven't been around this many yeah. people so long. I spill the Mountain Dew like all over the countertop. Just cause just pandemonium like commotion <laughs> in there. And I'm just like, this all could have been prevented if these girls would have just waited a little longer to get the pizza stuff and just let me get out the way. But they had to go all close to me and just made it awkward. I was like, ah. Oh. It <clears throat> it's crazy. It's such a stress. It was such a stressful yeah. year. I mean, I, I-, I had a... <sighs> I had a couple people die this last year, okay? A handful of people die. Um, everyone was stressed out. Nothing was open. Uh, to get unemployment for me took months because of bullshit. I don't even want to get into. Um, and everybody had to go through it. It's like everybody is exhausted. I'm not going to get into politics, but if these motherfuckers go back to war, because I don't, I don't vibe on either party. I just black and white is bullshit. And I'm not going to get into politics, but I will say this. They better not fucking go back to the Middle East and start another fucking war because America is tired. We are exhausted. This last year was fucking horseshit. Everyone's broke. Everyone's stressed out. Everyone's frustrated. Everyone's exhausted. And everyone just wants to heal. You know? 
and we just lost 600,000, almost 600,000 people from the United States from this COVID. I mean, yeah. nobody's really thinking thing. about like, if you just look about like those 12 people from Laramie that we lost, yeah. they're going to be missed. They might yeah. have died alone. There's situations That's like it. that. They like, might've died alone. That's another yeah. thing that's awful. All the people that were in ICU, they couldn't see their family and then they died. So they died alone. Yeah. So, I mean, so many people. That Tia said that to me, put that in perspective the most. Um, so when I would talk to people, they would get all like, oh, only X amount of people died. And I was like, yeah, but a lot of them died alone. And that really made people go, oh shit, that's true. You, they will that's not let your loved yeah. ones come in. It was so contagious. And I was like, yeah, I don't want that for anyone. So if I have to wear this stupid mask and stand six feet apart, sweet, easy enough. We're not going to have that. And I thought with myself, with my diabetes, I wasn't, probably wasn't going to kill me, but it was probably could put me in the hospital. So I was like, worked on my immune system during the whole COVID, lost some weight, uh, didn't drink Good. as much, stuff like that. So but it's stuff that we need to... I did the opposite. <laughs> I didn't do shit. I gained 20 pounds. I was with my family. My mom's making pork chops and lamb roast. I was oh, eating yeah. candy. I gained 20 pounds. I didn't do shit as I wasn't working, so I'm not going back and forth behind the bar. I wasn't going to the gym for the first time in like 20 years. I felt like dog shit. I just joined... A, I got a gym here, and I just joined a yoga studio down the street. Finally getting back into working again and getting my body moving. Dude, I did the opposite. Oh, I'm glad yeah. you you did much better than I did. I was definitely a minority in the situation uh, in this because a lot of people will see me now. Or I'll go over to their house and like, wow, COVID was good to you. And I'm like, yeah, well, was that a necessity? And the fact that I, my immune system so beat up, it was time to to fix it, to make it get better sleep, eat better. I was already I would do about a protein shake a day with 70 grams of protein in it, probably maybe 80 and i've been doing that for over a year now and oh even more than that i probably started december 19 and it kind of really started to show through the pandemic but also i was taking care of better myself i mean taking care of myself better wasn't drinking stuff like that because i was like alcohol is not going to help me and i like I talked about my anxiety this is i'll feel guilty the next day i'll feel bad that I'm here drinking while people are just trying to yeah. live. Meanwhile, yeah. I yeah. bought my first pair of slippers. My lazy <laughs> ass. I, bought, I still yeah. have them. Yeah, I have slippers. slippers I, bought my, I bought slippers and like, um, I don't wear pajamas. I don't own a pair of sweatpants, but I bought one of those like guy pull-ups. They're not sweats and they're not pajama yeah. bottoms, but they're just like, hang out and maybe do yoga, but really just for sitting around the house and you're not in your yeah. underwear. Yeah. And they're pretty fucking comfortable. I'm like, all right, it's pretty, oh, these are all right. <laughs> I bought a new wardrobe. Technically. Oh, did you? Because you lost so much weight? Yeah, I definitely have. And it was time to to change the wardrobe and stuff. And like, like, I have pants like that you're just talking about, but I was always wearing sweatpants. But I was like, they're almost yoga pants. They're a little stretchy to them, but they're not like tight to my skin or anything. Yeah. They're very comfortable. Comfortable. But yet, I can go to the store in them, but yeah, I can lay on my couch in them. So yeah, they're comfortable. Which you do both, I'm sure. Oh yeah, I'll go straight from the couch to the store <laughs> and back know. again to the and couch back again. Yeah, and so it's stuff like that. Um, wow, we're wait, almost I, I wanna, well, wait. Yes. I want to give a plug to my sister's 
CBD farm up in yes. Tumalo, Oregon. It's uh, Chavez LLC on Instagram at Chavez LLC. They um, Chavez Farms, and they make uh, it's a boutique farm. We had seven thousand plants. It's lifter seed that they planted. So and it's all uh, under three percent. It's fucking fantastic. It smelled like Fruit Loops during the day mm. and chocolate at night. Um, and we picked we we picked flour, and then I cut. So we picked a whole huge barn full of flour, hung it up sound, upside down, dried it, trimmed it. They're still trimming it. They sold a bunch to Switzerland. Um, there's a lot still for sale. And then I went ahead and I cut all those plants down myself with a saw on a weed whacker. It took me two days, and I cut them all down so they were dried in like two or three weeks for the combine to come, combine it up, and use that extra for biomass. Oh yeah, they made a big chunk of change, but yeah, uh, Chavez LLC at Chavez LLC on Instagram uh, to sell uh, if you want any good lifter CBD. Good uh, it makes fantastic coconut oil, by the way. I've been making brownies and shit, or just putting in my smoothie. Lit. I'm gonna might do that to, uh, actually after this. Right. I mean, the CBD is great for anxiety, great for sleep. There's so many beneficial things that come out of those products that but the great thing is your body feels is your body feels like you're flying on the sun and your but your mind is like where ours is right now your mind is fine it doesn't hit you like nice. that yeah your body just feels great you feel relaxed take a shit <laughs> your spine feels good and so once again your real estate company keller williams can they look you up online yeah, I just I just joined, so I still have to put my photo up and my bio up. Hi, I'm Luda Keller Williams and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if you look up Charles Barrett at Keller Williams, you can hit me up uh, for any referrals or if you want me to refer, if there's a Keller Williams in Laramie, you know, I can refer uh, people to Laramie. Um, but yeah, Charles Barrett at KellerWilliams.com. Uh, you can also check out Fallen Czar by Bryce Anderson Morris. That's the science fiction book that I'll be recording. The book is out if you want to buy it. It's a 500-page science fiction novel. And it's a novel, and it's supposed it's going to be like, uh, I've read it a handful of times. It's deep. It's, it's really involved. So if you... If it's confusing at first, it's one of those types of books. It's like when you first watch Game of Thrones, you're like, what are you talking about? And then you come, you find out in the second book that shit right yeah so after reading it a handful of times now i can narrate it so that the listener gets it a little bit better through the conversations that uh, the characters have because i understand it and so we're, we're looking for a female voiceover artist um if you know anyone who does voiceover uh girls out there you can email me at irish and german at yahoo.com is my email address um you could send a demo we're going to we're going to um, accept demos like in the next two weeks, you know, he sent me the, the write-up I'm supposed to send out here. I just had to go through it and see wh which uh, email addresses that we're supposed to send that back to anyway. Um, so yeah, Keller Williams, Fallen Czar spelled X A R. Uh, if you're in Austin, I'm at Pershing East. Um, what else? <laughs> There's a whole bunch of other stories I was going to get into, but I guess we'll have to save that for next time. I'll, I'll put a pin in those stories. Well, also, I know you have so much time on your hands. I don't know. If you ever want to be a DJ, I got this radio station, cbjradio.com. It's full of uh, lots of great programming and such. I always do a commercial for it and prior to the podcast anyway. But yeah, if you're ever interested in being a DJ when you 
get done with your audiobook, we would we've got a spot for you. We love having different types of music. The hardest part is definitely uh making a show once a week, I would say. That's about it. Otherwise, oh, I can do that. Yeah. I could do that. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk offline about it. Um, well, let's just I'll start tonight. <laughs> I'll get high and I'll put some music together. What do you guys what are you guys uh, doing just uh, putting an hours worth of music together? Um, are you doing shows, a talk show or what? Uh, no, it's usual, most music shows. Um, I have four that I work on. Uh, yeah. Um, one is on Tuesday nights called The Fallout. Uh, it's more of a variety show. I go over like news and entertainment stuff. And uh, then on Thursdays, it's Jamming with DJ Rude, which is all jam band stuff. Uh, it's a three hour show. That's the only three hour show on the station because. Really, you could play like 10 songs and that'll take three hours of jam band music. And then uh, the Friday Night Primer, or it's just called the Primer, I guess it's on Friday nights. It's hip hop, it's more of a party vibe. Um, and then Forgotten 80s uh, is on Saturdays and it's all 80s. And I guess I trade off on Saturday nights uh, with the other guy that runs the station, a show called Nothing But A Good Time. I actually started it when the station first started going. And it is all glam rock, like poison, Molly, like, <clears throat> and stuff. So it's a lot of time uh, on our, and so we're always looking for other people to add to our, our station. Uh, we have new programming, you know, every week, every day. Uh, we try not to repeat stuff. We do repeat our shows, but they're definitely designated to nights. Nobody really has a talk show. We have one group called the Cranberry Merchants. They do a show. They're big in the independent uh, music industry. And so we are too as well. We've won a couple of awards um, for our involvement in independent music. Mostly the other guy that runs the station. Um, he plays everything. Like you send him your music or us the music and he puts it in shows. Uh, I don't do that as much as he does. And so he'll just put it out there and it's not all that's good, but we give people a platform. I love it. Yeah. And by the way, if you guys, since we're not doing a video, it's just audio. Justin's looking really good, man. You look healthy. Thanks. DJ Rude is looking DJ. healthy. I try. I try. I'm trying. <laughs> Body maintenance. Well, and it's also like I kick myself and go, man, I wish myself would have been my ear like 10 years ago. Tell me to get on this train sooner. Yeah. And take care of myself and what to eat and what to do and and but yet better late than never and so uh it's it's fun it's i mean i'm the lightest i've ever been as an adult we'll say so it's good yeah and and once the gym gets back open i can't i i haven't been going there i just do a lot of walking and yeah i have some rubber band workouts i do at home <clears throat> and I cough a lot, it seems like in this interview, but because I've been talking a lot. <laughs> and uh, a lot, uh, once the gym, once we go back there, and I can actually do, I have no cardio, like that thing is shot. So once I get back to some cardio, I'll probably see another big loss. So yeah, but you're not looking like you gained 20 pounds. So that's well, I've good. lost probably 10. And it's only that's in good. my gut, my face. My face is falling off as I get older, I guess, but I'm just used to like doing running three miles a day, doing yoga for an hour, you know, hitting the heavy bag and always yeah. staying, you know, fit. So you can, so I can just roll. 
with life, knowing that you have to, you got to keep it up. Cause if you don't do it for a year, all of a sudden 20 pounds in your gut, your face starts melting yeah. off. Fucking got to hit it. You know, it's easy to be lazy. I, I love it. Um, but yeah, you gotta, I always push myself. I have a Fitbit so you can track your steps. And so I'm like, Hey, like if you leave something in the kitchen, just think about you gotta get up, walk over there's steps. Oh, and just keep adding to those steps. Oh, I left. I got to go upstairs. Like I'll purposely make a couple trips up and down the stairs knowing I could probably carry it all at once, but just to get those extra steps in and stuff like that. Cause yeah, it, you're in a competition with yourself. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, it really is. That's why they put a mirror in the gym. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Hey, by the way, I've been playing Call of Duty on PlayStation 4 because everything shut down and I have friends who are into it. So I've been playing it for a year, right? And I was shitty at it. Now I'm pretty good at it. So if any play- of your listeners out there play Call of Duty, uh, my tagline, my tagger name, my gamer tag is uh, Johnny Cash Money, all okay. capitals. So if anybody plays Modern Warfare, uh, I can only really play on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday nights, but... So all you nerds out there, if you want a game, Johnny Cash Money. I've been playing World War Z, which is zombies. And, yeah. Is that PC? I, uh, no, PC? on PlayStation 4. You got a PlayStation 4? I got one beginning of COVID. Dude, what the <laughs> fuck? You didn't tell me. <laughs> I, I need to get, I guess, some Call of Duty. But yeah. You son of a bitch. Um, I'm building my skills to start playing online. I don't play enough to go out there and bang it up with other people just yet get but, it oh by wait okay hold on and everyone will attest to this you have to get red dead redemption okay i played it once a long time ago when it was the first one you played the first one on playstation 3 okay get yeah. the second one which is a prequel it is gorgeous the okay. story is incredible you know it's just you'll be by yourself but i mean it's the sort of thing where if tia digs watching that stuff the story is fantastic it's the sort of thing where you, you know, if, you, if you're just okay, you can hand her the controller and go, just do it because it's so beautiful. Yeah. I, I, I'm one, I think mean, we play video games. I have a few that will play together, but I'm more the gamer in the house. And so when she gets home, I'm like, oh, go shut off because I'm not yeah. going to be like, watch me play video games all night. Yeah. Right. Right. She well, it's the, that, that one. one is the story. That one is the story oh. where it's like, yeah. Because if, if anybody, are, if, if gamers know this stuff, if you were to get games and be like, I'm good, buy these games. Red Dead Redemption, it's your Western, okay? They just released Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. I, only, I played 2 and 3. Space, genre, fantastic. It's a choose-your-own-adventure. It's a, it's a okay. shooting game, but it's a, you, know, you get to choose your own adventure. So Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 just got re-released for, remastered for PS4. Red Dead Redemption 2, and also get the first one on PlayStation 3. Skyrim, which is create whatever guy, girl, lizard, cat, mage. Skyrim is phenomenal for your Dungeons and Dragons. So now you've got a Western, you've got a space, you've got swords and sorcery, maps and magic. And the Call of Duty game is just online warfare. It's so fucking difficult, but I laugh every time I play it with these guys because they're having fun too and they're good. I kind of follow behind them. It's a, you know, it's just fun. But that's it. Those games right there. That's all you need. Well, we've covered so much ground in our nearly two hours uh, talking um, from, wow, 
uh, porn party in the Bride of Frankenstein to yeah. alcohol yeah. to what you've done in the last year, seeing oh, yeah. travel around, getting that license yeah. to alcohol uh, recommendations. Yeah. Uh, yeah, keep drinking. If you're drinking, definitely just keep drinking. Keep don't drinking. don't let us stop you. Well, drink the good stuff. You gave him some recommendations. Yeah, only drink good stuff. Don't yeah. just because really, it's better for you. Yeah, and smoke weed. Hey, and... next time I want to talk about the mustachio bashio party. Okay. My uh, one way ticket in three months in Alaska, where I lived in a tent. Uh, the strange but unusual gas leak. Um, living out of my car in San Diego. David Shannon's wedding. And almost not making it. Uh, the flight to Boston, Ireland, and generator parties in the desert when I went to high school there. Because I told you I went to high school with yeah. Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age, Nick Oliveri, the guys from Fatso Jetson, Eagles of Death Metal. There's a ton of bands that have come out of, um, of Palm Desert. And our school there, I think I covered on the last episode. But generator parties, I kind of want to... Wow, we're just over some to, bands. We're just gonna have to check in with you every like six months. Six months, man. Call me next week. <laughs> Get these stories. I got why one a week. Why wait? I do one a week. I already got lined up for next week. I think. Yeah, I do. They're, they got COVID. They can't do it. Just bump them. And <laughs> if they get COVID, whoever gets COVID on Tuesdays, just call me. I got my setup now. So I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, we'll definitely. I mean, we'll definitely check in again because that's a good, good cliffhanger of stories right there. A nah. plethora. A plethora. <laughs> a, uh, a Three Amigos reference. The That's the only time. way I know yeah, yeah. what plethora means. That is yeah, the yeah. only way I know what that word Across means. Across the board, the entire world had never heard that word until the movie The Three Amigos. Yes. And people, mm -hmm. if you don't know what Three Amigos is, you gotta watch it. It's yeah, please. Legends of comedy. Yeah. In that movie. Yeah. Lip bump. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Folks, I am still looking for an artist or artist to make an intro for this show or just some transition music like you heard there. Right now, I use the free stuff. So if you play guitar, you play drums, you play bass, and you want to give me a sample of your music, and I will promote you on this show. Or if you know an artist, I will promote that artist as well. Every time I play the music, they will get a nice fat plug from me on every podcast. So if you're interested or you know somebody to be interested, hit me up on my Facebook page, All My Friends with Justin Flaskrude, or you can email me at rudedaddy at hotmail.com. Send me your music. It'll get played on the show. Or if you have an intro that you built yourself, that is great. I'll play it on the show. Just remember the show is called All My Friends with Justin Flaskrude. It'd be awesome to get some new music for this show. And I'd like to thank Charlie for another great talk. I wanted to bring up this during our interview, our chat session, but I forgot. Charlie sounds a lot like Chris Jericho. That's a pro wrestler, for those of you who don't know. I was watching the Broken Skull Sessions with Steve Austin the other day. It's an a interview session that Steve Austin does. I think it's a podcast as well. And he was interviewing Jericho, and I was like, Charlie and Jericho sound the same, and they both tell stories with great detail and passion. 
it's pretty amazing when you can just sit there and listen to a great storyteller like Chris Jericho and my friend Charlie. Uh, I want to tell you guys, too, that if you're suffering from anxiety or if you want to stop drinking, uh, there's support out there. There's help for you. Um, you don't have to make um, being drunk part of your daily night. Uh, you don't have to deal with anxiety every day. Uh, both Charlie and I have overcome some things, and uh, he's overcome being a, a pretty hardcore alcoholic, and he rarely drinks now. And uh, now that I'm taking some anxiety medicine, I, I feel great about life. Um, things aren't quite as scary. I'm not freaked out or by as much. And uh, it's pretty cool, like, not to be all, oh, that's going to do this or this is going to do that. It's, it's pretty nice to feel this way. And so talk to your um, doctors. Talk to, there's plenty of online support that you can talk to. Hey, if you want to talk to Charlie and myself, I'm sure you will know how to get a hold of us. Um, we'll give you some, some great insight. Uh, if you want to come on my show and talk about how your struggles and how you've overcome them or how you want to overcome them, I'd be more than willing to sit down and talk to you. But you got to be a friend of mine first. All right. That's the, that's the only um, prerequisite to coming on the show. We got to be friends and then we can talk about our problems and such and, or just talk about your life. All right. On the next episode.